We have the best clinicians in the world, right? We have such a great system, but if we really want to turn that dial on patient experience, we need all those other pieces around it to be working just as efficiently and just as effectively. During COVID, we were able to work with laundries uh, that had lost all their employees, all their business because they laundered for hotels. We were able to work with them uh, and, and learn from them as well as them learning from us. Hello, I am Dr. Amit Shetty. Welcome to the Future Health Podcast. This is a podcast about the way we work the work we do and how technology will influence the future of work in New South Wales health and the healthcare industry as a whole. Our guest today is Garth Warboys, Associate Director at Patient Support Services, LCA New South Wales. I look forward to discussing with Garth of how patient support services will evolve to deliver care in the future of healthcare of New South Wales. Hello, Garth. How are you? Hey, good, thanks, Emma. How are you? Would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, sure. Um, my name is Garth Walworth and I work at HealthShare New South Wales. Uh, it's actually my, I think today is my third year anniversary at HealthShare New South Wales. Um, previous to that, uh, I spent most of my career in the health and human services sector. Um, so I started at Comcare. Uh, actually, first, let's let's go back to where I um, grew up. I guess I grew up in a fairly small town, Coffs Harbour. Uh, then studied in Armidale, uh, studied uh, economics law, background in econometrics primarily, uh, and then got a graduate job in Canberra uh, at an organisation called Comcare. Uh, but my family's work is probably what drove me most. My family works in the disability sector uh, and uh, they get people with disability jobs essentially. Uh, uh, because of that, I had a very keen interest in the National Disability Insurance Scheme uh, and was one of the first members of the National Disability Insurance Agency, uh, starting there a year before it launched uh, and spending four years there helping to build that scheme, which was a really wonderful time in my career. I really enjoyed it. Uh, and then I moved to consulting and, and moved to KPMG for a couple of years um, where I kind of specialised in markets uh, and commissioning. Uh, and, yeah, three years today with HealthShare New South Wales. Uh, I spent the last couple of years uh, leading the business performance space, so strategy, projects, innovation, uh, analytics, uh, and continuous improvement. Wow, looks like you've had a varied experience over the past, and some common themes you can think of across those different jobs? Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, human services is essentially, the challenges that face human services are very similar to the challenges that face health essentially. Uh, you've got a, a group of individuals uh, who require assistance or support. Um, you've only got limited resources and funding w with which to provide that support, uh, which is why the NDIS, the concept of the NDIS really spoke to me. Um, you know, it's about ensuring people's future through upfront payments and, and providing them, uh, you know, the, the care and support packages that they need over a lifetime. Uh, and, and eventually you find that with that care and support, you actually reduce the curve and reduce the spending. Uh, and obviously that's what health is here to do as well. And, and the future of health, that's, that's absolutely what we're trying to do as well. Can you give me some examples of how your past experiences in NDIS and in disability sector has helped you in this current role in Elshare? Look, I think it's been really useful because you would know yourself, Amit, that people in health spend their careers in health, right? So most people in health know everyone, have spent their whole lives working at it. So when you come in as a little bit of an outsider, um, it can be a little bit more challenging, particularly without a clinical background, to kind of win that 
that credibility, if that makes sense. So I think that working in an adjacent sector that, as I said, has very similar challenges was really easy for me to identify the reasons why people are here and what drives them because it's what drives me too. And as soon as you get that connection, I think that it is a lot easier to, to, to win that credibility and earn that trust. Um, very fortunate now, my, my latest role is leading our patient support services um, space and one of those, which is patient transport, non-emergency patient transport, and Enable New South Wales, which is disability equipment. And the leader, my operational leader in Enable New South Wales, actually sat next to it at the NDIS for several years because obviously it's aids and equipment um, and is very intertwined with the NDIS. So that's that's been very helpful, uh, I have to say. Have you noticed any changes recently or changes that are upcoming of how these can be done better in the future and how it was done before? Uh, the, I think that's the beauty of working in such an enormous complex space like New South Wales Health or just health in general really is that there's so much that there is always no matter how good our system is and and honestly New South Wales Health probably is the best health system in the world if not the top few um, but there's always a million things that you could improve and and I guess if you're I guess I like to look at things through that lens so Yes, things are wonderful as they are, but what could we tweak to make it better? And, and yeah, I, I see plenty of opportunity across all of our businesses at, at HealthShare New South Wales. Again, I'll probably come at it from more of the support services side of things. Um, without that clinical background, I certainly wouldn't want to be speaking for the clinical care side of things. But yeah, a lot of opportunities there. I've always believed that care is holistic mm. um, and there's the art of medicine and the science of medicine um, and they go hand in hand. And the whole concept of clinician and non-clinician is very blurred. Yeah. Because the care needs of the patient comes first. Um, Great. Just going back on the point we were discussing before around use of new ways of thinking um, and analytics and strategies Mm -hmm. to align your services. Have you done anything in that space uh, around changing how the service can be delivered? Yeah, look, I think that we're about to launch our next strategic plan, which we're really excited about um, in a few weeks' time, actually. It launches maybe maybe in a week's time. Um, and, and I think one of the huge things that we're focusing on is that focusing on people piece, but in particular the patient and patient experience. Uh, and I know that New South Wales Health has just launched their Elevating um, Human Experience document, which I think is wonderful. Um But I think from a support services side of things, it can often be not as in focus as the clinical world in elevating that human experience or that patient experience. And for good reason, right? You'd be silly not to first think about the clinical world because that is most important. But let me ask you a question. This is what I ask people this question. So you've just spent four nights in hospital and you're about to check out and your clinical care was absolutely perfect. Your doctors and nurses were wonderful. They treated your ailment. It was wonderful and you're now being discharged, what do you score your patient experience? You're probably scoring it a 10, right? That you can't get much better than that. It is, it's, it's dependable because yes. I've had hospital yes. stays myself. <laughs> yes. And um, <clears throat> there are times where it's not, not just, a, for me at least, it's not just about the well, clinical I, care. I guess that's the next point is, so now same experience, same wonderful clinical care, but you transferred from another hospital first and your transport was four hours delayed. And then when you arrived, there was no obvious check-in. 
Uh, and then you got to your bed and the sheets were really scratchy and uncomfortable. And then you looked around and the room was dirty, hadn't been cleaned appropriately. Uh, and then you go to connect to Netflix uh, and there's no Wi-Fi in the hospital. You can't actually connect to that Netflix. There's no chair or comfortable chair for your partner to sit in with you. Uh, you then think, oh, well, at least I'll get a meal and it comes and you didn't get a choice in your meal and it's cold and it's not really what you like. But you had wonderful clinical care. What's your patient experience score? Five, yeah. six, and 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 that yeah, I totally agree with your point. And it's just it is clinical care is not just prescriptions and interventions. Exactly, holistic care. Exactly, and, and I think that that's the beauty of working in a place like Healthshare New South Wales. I think that we really do have a huge opportunity to support. As I said before, we have the best clinicians in the world, right? We have such a great system. But if we really want to turn that dial on patient experience. We need all those other pieces around it to be working just as efficiently and just as effectively. And we're 100% committed to that. So I think that that's probably one of our huge drivers moving forward as an organisation. And the other one you mentioned as well would be the analytics and and harnessing our data better. Yeah. Have you done anything in that space to plan things better or what it looks like for the future? Yeah, absolutely. We're an incredibly data-rich organisation, as is all of New South Wales Health, I would say. Um, but one of our benefits at, at HealthShare is that we're a statewide service. So we know occupied bed days through linen usage and food in every single hospital in the whole state. We know every single em- everything about every employee because we do all of their payroll. We, do, we have all of those details as well. And, and when they're on shift and when they're not on shift uh, through health roster and other systems like that, we know about every piece of medical equipment, all the medical supplies, everything that goes on in hospitals because it goes through our procurement system. So if you look at how much information we have, it's enormous, right? Um, right now, we don't harness that to its full potential and, and particularly we don't connect it with the clinical data as well as we potentially could. Um, but we're working really close with eHealth New South Wales right now and we're very fortunate to have such a strong partner in eHealth New South Wales um, to ensure that we can leverage that information better because the system savings would be enormous. I, I guess to the point of the fact that these support services can support patient experience, we can also support that better better value healthcare because ultimately there's really, you know, in the most simplistic economic terms, there's two things you spend money on in healthcare. One are your people and one is everything else, (laughs) buildings, equipment, supplies, tech, et cetera. We know that there is going to be a shortfall of clinicians, not just in Australia, but across the whole world. If you look at Japan, in the next 20 years, they're in real trouble for how many clinicians they're going to need because of their ageing population. Australia will face a similar thing where we do need to continue to increase our healthcare sector. We all already know that. So where are we going to be able to provide that better value healthcare? It's in everything else. It's in the procurement of goods. We have a wonderful procurement program going on right now to do that. Um, and, and it's in our buildings. You know, it's health infrastructure has a huge role to play in that as well, that, that um, healthcare at home, for instance, and it's in the tech, which eHealth have a huge role in. You've highlighted that key concept that about personalised care. How do you see that happening? Um, just give me an example. How do you see that in your uh, in 10 years down the line, if you were to look at how care was delivered for this patient in the community? in a personalised way. Um, yeah. How do you see these services linking together and providing it? Yeah, that's a, that's a really good question. And it, again, I guess because I should 
I mean, at some point, um, I should really talk about the things that HealthShare does because many of the yeah. listeners won't know about, I guess, everything that HealthShare does. But that will really vary by business line. Um, so HealthShare uh, delivers all the food in hospitals. Uh, it does all the, sorry, in certain hospitals, it does security, cleaning, portering, things like that. It delivers the linen statewide. Uh, it delivers the patient transport, non-emergency patient transport between hospitals. It does equipment, so Enable New South Wales does the equipment uh, services. We do payroll, finance, uh, and all the back office uh, functions, and we do the procurement as well. Um, So depending on which business line you're looking at, they can connect in various ways. But um, uh, I think an example of, you know, an exciting place where tech could take us, but we'd also have to be careful of, you know, imagine again, you're going to that same hospital, it's your fourth visit for the year, you're a frequent flyer um, because of whatever health condition you have. And every time you go in, you're able to actually just order your meal on your phone, exactly what you want. But more than that, it sends you, buzzes you at 11.30 and says, we know you normally like to eat at 12, um, put your order in now and you'll get it at 12. And here's what you normally order. Would you like that again? Or would you like something else? Now that's not that far away, Right. Um, and, and they're the types of things that we can really start to push and support people with, yeah. Yeah, personalising their mm. experience. And, and providing them the, the autonomy and authority to kind of take a little bit more control. You don't get a lot of control in hospital, um, but you can over some of those things, which, which feels nice. What do you see as the enablers and barriers to moving to that vision of the future? Yeah, that, that's a great question. I think... <laughs> Enablers for New South Wales Health, our two biggest enablers, firstly, is our people. We've got 150,000 employees across New South Wales Health. Um, and you think about the diverse range of skills that they bring, their backgrounds, it, it, it's just incredible. I think our workforce would be the envy of most sectors in the world. Uh, so I think that's probably the first big enabler. The second one, we'll probably talk about it 20 times throughout this conversation, is data. Um, if you think about what we have, if we can leverage that data properly and connect it and turn it into information, um, I think that is going to be an enormous enabler. Uh, I think our barriers, so first, the first big barrier in health always is we have to focus on emergencies. Now, COVID's an obvious example of that, right? But even outside of COVID, most of our day-to-day time is spent responding to to minor crises here and there. It's how a lot of clinicians are actually wired. That's how they work best. Um, But if you're going to come up with a wonderful, great, game-changing idea, you're normally doing that when you've got a little bit of time to think. You're not doing that when responding to a crisis. You look at the big tech companies, they give people a day a week uh, to spend on their own projects. Now, I highly doubt that's going to happen in the healthcare sector anytime soon, but I think enabling people that space to think strategically rather than responding to crises where possible. Uh, so that's probably one enabler and uh, sorry, barrier. And, and then the other barrier I think would be connectivity. Um, we are a huge complex uh, uh, beast, New South Wales Health, all of health really. That's not just New South Wales Health. And ensuring we connect our data appropriately to come at a challenge holistically, I think that's really tricky. Um, you can solve wonderful things at a local level, but you tend to not get that statewide uh, you know, huge transformation. And if you try for the statewide huge transformation, getting that local buy-in can be really tricky. I know it's something that eHealth and HealthShare both grapple with, trying to trying to wrap that up. So, yeah, they're probably what I would see as the barriers and enablers. Let's talk about automation. Mm, okay. Um, 
how do you see that impacting LCA services and support services in general? Yeah, we can use automation in a whole range of spaces, as as probably many can. Um, I think the key place where automation is will be most powerful for HealthShare is in both procurement uh, and in employee financial shared services. Um, so automation is best uh, used for repetitive tasks um, that are usually that are currently done manually. Um, and I think that there's a whole range of activities in that back of office that that we are already starting to slowly automate. Um, but the beauty of having that central function in HealthShare is that we're able to, as we do that, we're able to take on more and more of those back office functions that the LHDs currently do themselves. Uh, and the whole point of, in my view, and most, uh, I think the whole point of HealthShare in, in our CE's view as well, is to return that clinical time to clinicians. It's about taking on those administrative tasks um, that really take up a lot of NUMS to nurse unit managers' times and nurses' times and doctors' times and and performing that function for them. So as we get more efficient at the simple tasks, we can take more work on yeah. um, and you're already seeing it. So I think that those two spaces in particular, uh, I know that we've got an enormous program on right now for the procure to pay cycle. Um, you know, we do a couple of billion dollars worth of procurement every year um, and ensuring that we've got the systems in place to make sure we get the right price on contract, no free text orders. Uh, you know, clinicians can have absolute faith that their storerooms will be appropriately stocked with the stuff that they need when they need it. You know, th- there's huge opportunities in those spaces. You've had a great experience in that regard recently. <laughs> yes, I have had a great experience in um, procurement and supply chain recently. Uh would you like me to talk about that? <laughs> you can share that and you can you can highlight how we, how well we've done. Yeah, look, thanks. I, I think that COVID impacted everyone, right? And and health more than more than anyone. And some of the work that our frontline clinicians have done absolutely staggering. Um, but I think that there's some work that HealthShare's done that I'd probably like to highlight, obviously coming from that space. So um, I was fortunate enough to to kind of co-lead the our procurement and supply chain response. Uh, to COVID, and in particular the critical items such as PPE and ventilators, um, that was really tricky, right? Uh, the whole world was disrupted. The whole market was disrupted for those items. You know, we we're trying to buy items from China, competing against Germany, the US, the UK on price. We, we had to have people in those countries uh, organising jets to get them on. You know, it was a really tricky time. Uh, and there were new products that we were landing. Now, normally the the cycle for that we have a whole heap of masks that are already on contract, are already approved, tick, they're great. When they're not there and you need to buy new ones, that's fine, but that's a six-month process where we work with clinicians and say, does this work for you? Do you like this? What are the pros? What are the cons? We had 60 minutes, not six not six months, you know, to make those decisions. So the fact that over that period we didn't have a single outage of any PPE, we've now got warehouses full of the stuff, we're completely prepared for a second wave in, in regards to PPE. It was just, it was an incredible achievement from a group of people and, and sure I was there, but we have people in that warehouse and people in that team that since the bushfires uh, were distributing masks uh, who were working seven days for just about six months. It, absolutely incredible dedication um, and, and really helped keep our clinicians safe. How do you see this in- crisis changes or future direction changes or strategies change. Has that had any impact on 
healthcare, uh, share. Yeah. Yeah, it has actually. Um, we were really cognizant. To, we started writing our strategy a few months before COVID <laughs> and then stopped it completely, obviously, but then really wanted to finalise it. You know, it's a really important piece for us. So we did make sure we had a few people dedicated to it. Most people uh, had to come off, but we, we made sure of it. And we really, we really want to ensure that when we talk about system and system support, we're also talking about supporting the system through crises. You know, it, I think that some of the other states had challenges where they don't have a central body like HealthShare to do things like procurement. Um, and, and I think that they struggled more than we did. Uh, not to say that, that we didn't have our struggles. Absolutely. You know, this is a brand new challenge for everyone. Uh, but it, it really solidified the fact that, hey, in a crisis moment, having patient transport services, for example, I really should talk about them as well. Our airport to hotel operations, patient transport, uh, were the body, were the organisation that were taking every COVID suspected and, and COVID confirmed case between the airport and health hotels. We've not had a single outbreak, oh, touch wood, we've not had a single outbreak from those health hotels. We haven't had a single employee infected. Uh, it's been one of the huge successes working with Sydney LHD who are running the airport operations. But it means that P- our PTS drivers have actually come into contact with 25% of every confirmed COVID case in New South Wales. It's a significant operation uh, that New South Wales Health was able to give it to a body who is New South Wales Health, that they have that control over uh, and they have that trust in. So it, it's a huge part. It's a really, really important. If, if that was all in at the market uh, or you did have taxis doing it, we'd have to be relying on an outside force to do that. And that comes with risk, like the security guards, you know, in Melbourne, that there is a risk to that. Are there certain examples of uh, novel technologies you're utilising in HealthShare to better plan your services? Planning, planning really lends itself to patient transport. So I might give you an example there because there's a really good one at the moment going on. Um, so HealthShare delivers the non-emergency patient transport. Um, you, you would, everyone would know ambulance, but I guess the easiest way to describe that is the green fleet. Um, that you will see around. Um, and the planning for that business is actually quite tricky. So if you look at it as a spectrum, you know, on, on the left-hand side, you've got, uh, let's say, your Coles or Woolworths delivery of shopping. Now, it's a really simple algorithm to run that. It's where do you live and what time did you book that? Now, if you and I live next door to each other and you book at 10 a.m. for a 2 p.m. slot and I go to book at 11, that 2 p.m. slot's not there, right? It's now 3 p.m. Simple algorithm. You move to ambulance service uh, and they throw in a third one so where you are time you book but criticality of of that service one to five and if you book an hour before me this time but you're a three and i'm a one i will get the first ambulance you will be bumped now for patient transport service we kind of sit in the middle which makes it really tricky right so we are non-emergency so you would hope that we could do a lot of this scheduling style work and we really do try to with day before bookings uh, however, it's health and there are patients and there is still clinical care and level level of criticality. Uh, and so we do still bump people who were booked day before. And we try and get the LHDs to work with us to book day before, but, but if they don't get the benefit because they can book same day and get someone bumped, why would they work with us? So it's a really tricky problem we've been trying to solve. Uh, and we've actually now gone to, we're keeping the system for day before. The algorithm is doing all of those trips and planning them. But day of, we've gone back to human intervention, human manually uh, planning it, 
So we can then work with the appropriate people to update that algorithm to say, right, we understand when the rules should be what they should be. And I think that's the really important piece about that machine learning, uh, automation, artificial intelligence, whatever. It is incredible, but it's incredible if the right people are providing it the right business input. And it's also really critical to make sure that when business changes, often we're getting these experts who help us set this up and then they leave the organisation, the business pivots, no one knows how to get under the hood of that of that piece of tech. Uh, and so it's really important we try and build some of those skills internally as well so we can update those as our business pivots. Yeah, no, it's true. Um, you can only build artificial intelligence based on the intelligence you capture. 100%. If you don't capture the intelligence in the first place, <laughs> yeah. you can't develop AI. Absolutely. Um, no, that's that's really heartening to hear. And um, hopefully we can get our patients back on time and back back where it belong quickly enough. Yeah. Uh, look, I mean, there's so much we can discuss further on this and mm. lots of other topics. Was there anything specific you wanted to share about what anything in the future or anything that excites you before we close off? Uh, yeah, sure. I think... Uh, Look, the the learning, probably one other learning from COVID, I don't want to spend the whole time on it, but the big learnings for us were your ability to work better with the market and to leverage the market better. Um, as I said, I have a commissioning background and that can be considered a dirty word for some people, can be nervous that that means outsourcing. It, it really doesn't. It doesn't mean insourcing, outsourcing. There's a whole spectrum. And during COVID, we were able to work with laundries uh, that had lost all their employees, all their business because they laundered for hotels, but we needed spare capacity. And what would normally be a 12-month cycle, we're able to work with them uh, and, and learn from them as well as them learning from us. It's a wonderful partnership. Same in food. We're able to leverage some of the airline food providers to ensure that if anything was to go wrong, we built that spare capacity through working with them. Secondly, working internally as New South Wales Health, we had really strong connections with the Clinical Excellence Commission during that time, e-health, organisations like that, and all the barriers were dropped. It was just getting them work together, and I think that was wonderful as well. So I think they're probably the big learnings moving forward. Um, But, yeah, other than that, no, I don't don't think I have anything else to add. Yeah, no, it has been a great um, collaborative piece of work between the pillars and the ministry. Agreed. And and has broken down a lot of barriers and... Mm. That is that can only bode well for the future. Agreed. Yeah. Thanks, God. It's no great worries. having you here. Thank you, Emma. So that's all we have time for this episode. Thanks for joining me on the show. If you enjoyed the podcast, make sure to like, share, and subscribe on whatever platform you are on right now. 